Challenges for Olympic Sponsors. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Tokyo Report. I'm Ed Hula, your podcast host. Sponsorship has been an integral part of the growth of the Olympics, which, along with TV rights, provide about $5 billion to the IOC every four years. When the Olympics were awarded to Tokyo eight years ago, the forecast was bullish for sponsors, and a record number of domestic and international sponsors lined up to support the 2020 Olympics. But the pandemic tore that optimism apart, postponement of the Games by one year, and the ban on foreign and domestic sponsors have meant problems for sponsors activating their programs for Tokyo. The Olympic Torch Relay, for which Toyota and Coca-Cola were presenting partners, became an event held behind closed doors in the face of government-ordered countermeasures for the coronavirus. Capping all of that, the executives of a number of sponsors, including Toyota and Bridgestone, chose not to attend the opening ceremony. Then there was a downfall of Simone Biles' withdrawal from the competition. That will be one of the top stories of these games. Biles, known as the greatest of all time gymnast, she attracted sponsorship deals that most Olympians can only dream about. Joining us now is one of the globe's top experts on Olympic marketing. Rob Prasmark of 21 Sports and Entertainment Marketing Group. In the early days of his career, he helped launch the first sales in the IOC's worldwide sponsorship program and has been involved with Olympic sponsorships for close to 40 years. Rob Prasmark, how are you today? Great, Ed. Uh, good to be here. And uh, yeah, and the way you summarized it, it's kind of like, uh, wow, where do we go from here? But uh, I. I do see bright spots. Uh, we've gotten through a lot of uh, ups and downs over the 35 years that I've seen, 40 years. And uh, uh, there'll be some collateral damage, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, a lot of these sponsors are in it for the long haul. Well, if anything could go wrong with uh, Tokyo, it, it seems to have happened. Uh, have you seen any other Olympics prior to Tokyo. I mean, there's always controversy. There are always issues. Right. But have you seen anything that's so derailed uh, sponsorship plans, TV rights holders plans, and then what happened in Tokyo? Uh, I have not. I mean, uh, there's been, you know, as we, as you know, we went through, you know, the hiccups with uh, Salt Lake City and and people were concerned about uh, Olympic sponsors associating with the Olympic brand because of the scandal of Salt Lake and everybody got through that in, in pretty great shape. We tend to forget that in Seoul, Korea, uh, you know, back in 88, a uh, long time ago, but, you know, they were uh, students were riding and demonstrating and you had military on the, uh, on the streets, uh, but those games went on and you had spectators, but this one's a, a, a different animal. And, um, you know, um, I've, I've said this in the past, that that while the fans um, are not in the stands and uh, the best laid marketing plans in the host country have gone awry, um, you know, the I believe that the viewership, if you include mainstream media and streaming around the globe, will be very, very, very strong. And, you know, I like to tell people you could put the Olympic Games on the moon and it would be a success in terms of the people back uh, on Earth watching it. And I think when all is said and done, uh, these will have some great stories. I think that uh, NBC has been doing a great job 
Um, and to to that fact, Ed, you know, this is the I went. I've been at 19 consecutive Olympic Games, and to be here in the states watching it uh, for me is a a, a a total different view of it. Um, but when I turn on my uh, television or my computer and watch the 7,000 hours that NBC has got going, I think they do a good job with the competition. I think they do a great job with the up close and personals. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what the final Nielsen tally will be for uh, all the people who have tuned in. They are saying, though, that the opening ceremony uh, uh, earlier this month was was the lowest rated of of the past few Olympics. Um, and that fewer people were watching even even on streaming uh, for for the opening ceremony. Yeah, I, I saw those reports, and and um, uh, you know, I, I think that there was a little bit of of uh, uh, apprehension, if that's the word. Um, maybe there's a curiosity factor to turn into opening ceremonies. Maybe some of the public didn't even think that they were going to be having them. Uh, but it was a it was a hybrid. You still had your uh, uh, you all your athletes walk in. You know, that took a couple hours. And um, and then you you did have your pageantry, um, um, but you know it's um, it's a different world today. And uh, I, I think I believe that now the competition's underway. Uh, that the global audience, uh, especially in the United States, will become more and more involved as the competition uh, you know uh, uh, heats up. Uh, you know, you had we had some great swimming for for Americans. Anyway, you had some great uh, swimming uh, competition. You know, the um, Swan Biles uh, story that was got big, but we ended up winning gold anyway. Um, we could have had a gold and a silver. Uh, but, um, um, you know, all that kind of stuff heightens the awareness of the games. Um, I have been watching a lot of the ads here in America anyway. And while, you know, Toyota pulled. They're a, a themed ads, if I understand it correctly, in Japan. They are still running their uh, Olympic ads here in the States. So I think that's a territory-by-territory territory decision. Back to the postponement of the games and the effect it may have had on sponsorship, and, and as well the, the, the absence of, of spectators in the stands has really robbed the sponsors of their ability to, um, to, to activate to bring guests to Tokyo, to have uh, uh, sponsor pavilions, to tell people what they're doing with the Olympics. It's just not what they signed up for. Do you imagine that there'll be some negotiations between the IOC and these sponsors about revised terms of their contract? Is there anything the IOC can do to make it better for these sponsors? I mean, this, this is an opportunity that's gone in Tokyo and is not going to come back. Yeah. I mean, there, there are two camps uh, and there's, there's the IOC sponsors that uh, I think three of them have signed on through 2032. Um, and you've got others that go through 2028. And um, I don't know this for fact, but my instincts tell me that it, indeed the IOC would create some sort of make good program. Um, you know, it could be financial. It could be in, in another way to uh, to right the ship. Uh, you know, as long as I've been dealing with them, um, everybody, the sponsors and the IOC have 
sponsors in the IOC have a very long-term, do you want me to start over? Uh, yeah, pick it up somewhere. Yes, go ahead. Yeah. Um, as long as I've known the IOC uh, and the sponsors involved, um, everyone has a very long-term view. Um, so you may uh, have to go through a couple hiccups. So this was a big one uh, and postponement. Uh, but, you know, these these brands and, and these broadcasters are in it, like NBC, through 2032. So for every uh, hiccup, and, and again, like I said, Tokyo is a big one, you know, you'll have something spectacular coming out of Los Angeles or something spectacular coming out of Beijing in a few months. Um, so it, 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 the, the, it levels itself out long term. The other camp are the domestic sponsors in Japan. Now, they, I think they were really uh, hurt by this uh, because when the, you know, the, the games come and the games go, there's a little bit of legacy. But public sentiment going in the games, I've never seen that like this before. And that's the reason why, to your point earlier, that the CEOs of uh, uh, Japanese-based companies weren't showing up at opening ceremonies. Uh, I do predict that as uh, the positive nature of the games continues, especially if we get into uh, uh, you know next week, uh, that you're going to see some of these uh, executives uh, showing up to closing ceremonies. A lot of these executives and, and uh, customers, if they can work the system, uh, showing up to events where they're allowed to to show up. Uh, I have not seen, you know, uh, any big negative stories coming out of Japan, uh, except for a few protests in the beginning. And so I think when when the the action, if you will, comes focused in on us on the athletes, um, you know, public sentiment uh, comes around. Uh, you know, every games, as you noted earlier, uh, before we started recording. Every games has a has a problem going into opening ceremonies. This one happens to be just a big a big problem. Uh, but you got the human rights issue when Beijing in two thousand eight, and you had a bunch of other uh, um, times where people didn't think it was good to host the Olympic Games. But once the competition starts, and you see it's really about the athletes, uh, things kind of smooth out. So um, that's uh, th the problem with Japanese based companies is they don't have the ability to recover on a long-term basis because the games are, are games are gone. Uh, where top sponsors uh, are, in, are IOC sponsors, uh, you know, they can go uh, to the, to the next games, Beijing and Paris and on and on and on. Um, let's, uh, yeah, let's uh, talk about those next games. We'll put Beijing aside just for a moment, but the next summer Olympics will be in Paris in 2024 followed by Los Angeles in 2028, and now followed by Brisbane, Australia in 2032. That, that seems to be a, a pretty attractive lineup for potential sponsors. It, it, it really is. I mean, the, the Paris and Los Angeles stuff is big. Um, you know, Brisbane is, uh, while it's a big country, uh, the population isn't that large. Uh, so from a marketing perspective, it'll be very attractive uh, to go there uh, as we did Sydney. Um, and, and you're still going to struggle, I think, in, in, and I, I, I didn't mention this earlier, but, you know, the time difference uh, right. between yeah. be, uh, is, is a big factor. And, um, you know, that's 
probably one of the things that are happening with NBC um, where the fact that some of the events uh, take place and you can stream it and you, you, you don't get around to watching it in the evening because the because, uh, uh, you know, the results are ready. But uh, Paris will be a great venue. Uh, the backdrop of Paris. And of course, LA is on for US based sponsors that have a big territory. Uh, that will that will be a, a terrific. Be careful what you ask for, though, just like what happened with uh, with Tokyo. People had some <laughs> great feelings about the games coming to Tokyo and things happened that just uh, threw, threw everything uh, under the bus, so to speak. Back to Beijing, yeah. which is the next next Olympics on the calendar. Just Six months away, literally. Um, and the sponsors are under pressure regarding China's human rights record. Uh, the IOC is under pressure as well um, on, on that score. Uh, there's still no word about whether foreign fans will be allowed to attend the games in Beijing uh, using coronavirus as the... Uh, as a reason to, to restrict their entry, perhaps. Uh, it, it, it seems to be a, kind of a, a, a cloudy outlook for these uh, next Winter Olympic Games in, in Beijing. How, 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 how can this be handled and managed? Well, the, uh, we had the same human rights concerns going into the 2008 Games with uh, Beijing, um, and uh, we seem to have weathered it um, very well. Um, and it, it'll, it'll probably be the same thing going into these winter games. Um, coronavirus, uh, you know, that's, you know, in many ways, uh, you know, the, all, the force majeure. I mean, it's an act of God. Or, you know, some people will say it's not an act of God. It was manufactured. But um, that's, a, that's a different factor. Um, and uh, uh, I would hope that... Um, I would hope that the organizing committee and the IOC come comes up with a plan of of making it easier to get into Beijing for some of these sponsors, uh, clients, and customers and employees because that is a big asset that that, that they are buying. Um, it, there's again two different camps. One is the the consumer uh, based companies, the Coca Cola and the beer companies. You know they lose out on being able to generate revenue at the games because there's no there's no spectators but you have um, companies like uh, Atos uh, who will still be able to tell their story uh, post Olympic Games and say hey this is what we did in uh, in Tokyo and this is what we're going to do in Beijing uh, even if they're not taking their their best clients there and taking it to the back room showing how they're processing all this data. So um, I, I think that uh, the B2B uh, companies or B2Government companies are, are not as damaged as, um, as the business-to-consumer companies. Um, how do you see sponsorship changing, Olympic sponsorship changing in the years ahead here? How, the, the IOC worldwide program now includes 14 members uh it's it's the biggest it's ever been it includes companies like airbnb which we wouldn't think of being a uh such a uh worldwide sponsor a few years ago um what what's your what's your outlook on how this 
would be changing. Uh, well, yeah, you're right. I mean, um, 10, 20, 30 years ago, I, I never would have thought of Airbnb um, or that type of company uh, would be uh, able to step up. You have Salesforce, another one um, that, you know, um, is more, uh, you know, uh, intellectually based company. Um, you know, and, and of course, there's always an evolution. Uh, you know, the original top program had companies like Kodak and Xerox. I mean, it's, it's just an evolution of these corporations that you've got to stay, um, you know, stay uh, with the times. And I applaud the IOC and, and their sales team for going out and getting the uh, the next generation like Salesforce and, and Airbnb to replace those other brands that uh, may have moved on, um, you know, like McDonald's and Kodak and Xerox and IBM. I mean, there's a, there's a little bit of a gravesite <laughs> of, of the brands that we had that are no longer around because the business changes. And I think the IOC is doing a great way of, of keeping up. But social connectivity and, and streaming and all that stuff that we couldn't even imagine 10, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, um, that's going to really be the future um, of keeping the Olympic Games relevant. Um, and, uh, you know, the audience is up uh, because the marketplace will follow where the audiences are. Uh, just uh, one other note here. The granddaddy of Olympic sponsors, Coca-Cola, seems to be, well, have a kind of a lesser lesser presence here during the games. I see no Coca-Cola commercials on, on TV. And, of course, as, the, the, as a presenting sponsor of the Olympic Torch Relay, they pretty much had to hide their light under a bushel, so to speak. Um you, you you hear anything about Coca-Cola and the future for them in the Olympics? Um, I believe, Ed, I could be wrong, but I think that they're signed through 2032. I could be wrong on that. And I think three of them have signed through 2032. I thought Coke was right. one of them. Right. Uh, and, and, and so um, they're, they're an interesting animal these days. Um, their business model is shifting. And, um, you know, that's not just one Coca-Cola product. I mean, they have so many. Um, but like I said earlier, the effect of the pandemic in the local marketplace in Japan hits the consumer brands harder than the B2B brands. Uh, because to your earlier point, uh, when public sentiment, um, you know, turns against something, no matter what it is, you don't want to be out there, you know, um, uh, you know, high fiving your involvement with that. And I think that, you know, uh, and Toyota figured this out um, and I'm sure Coke figured this out. The other thing that I, you know, I've, I've known since dealing with Coke for so many years, uh, AB, that in, in a normal Olympic year or even in a FIFA year uh, when, when the World Cup comes, uh, the amount of revenue that they drag out of a host country uh, almost pays <clears throat> for their sponsorships. Um, so um, incremental revenue because the public wants to support the products of, of, of these um, uh, Olympic sponsors because uh, it makes them feel good. So this one, um, when, when they had to kind of duck underneath the wave, um, you know, this one um, will hurt their bottom line. But again, as I said earlier, you know, for the top sponsors, 
then they're off to Beijing and then they're off to Paris. I mean, there's some some really bright, uh, I think, some great venues going forward for the top sponsors. So you think that in this uh, crazy mixed up world of uh, of uh, change for the Olympics and sports marketing, uh, Olympic sponsorship still can be a, a good business proposition for the right for the right company, for the right business. Yeah, I do. I mean, the companies like Salesforce and Airbnb, there's always this uh, immediate um, uh, injection of enthusiasm and uh, sales results uh, because they're they're new to the party and the, their stories uh, jump ahead of some of the more traditional um, you know people. And um, I, I again, I go back and say I think the IOC is doing a great job of. Of changing out some of these brands to to be uh, find the next great Visa, right? Um, the, the next great uh, Coke, and so um, and I think they found it in Toyota. I mean, I, I the way that they embrace that globally um, is is terrific. Uh, I never thought they would be able to sell the the well mobility category, automotive category, uh, on a worldwide basis uh, because of all the countries that had their own, um, you know, other car sponsors, but they, they seem to figure that out. Um, so, uh, you know, 14 is a healthy number of, of top sponsors and that's a lot of servicing. Um, but you know, those, those 14 top sponsors also fuel the brought for the most part, fuel the broadcasters with instantaneous advertising. So it's a machine. Um, and it's, uh, you know, trickle down kind of thing, but uh, I, I I still continue to think, and it's not because I drink their Kool Aid, but uh, I continue to think um, being part of the Olympic Games um, is the biggest thing on the planet. You could argue World Cup, um, neck and neck, um, but but there's nothing that comes close uh, on a global basis. Rob Prasmark of Twenty One Marketing veteran of Olympic sponsorship deals through the years, was our guest on this edition of the Tokyo Report. I'm your host, Ed Hula. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back tomorrow for the start of the final week of the Tokyo Olympics. Can you believe it? Your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com.